yeah <laughs> every time um i talk into the mic i, I want to like yeah like make some like deeper voice uh, and uh, uh, that's what you do home chanting and yoga uh, um, you align your frequency your energy uh, uh, and also something interesting when you hum mm -hmm, mm, the humming produces intranasal nitric oxide intranasal nitric oxide nitric oxide chemical that you don't have to take that you can produce and it raises your uh, what it does is 15 fold so you're producing 15 times more nitric oxide and this nitric oxide expands your bronchi and your blood vessels and so when you're breathing let's say you do uh, breath work let's say i hum before my breath work and you don't mm -hmm. and we have the same rhythm of breath i'm going to absorb more oxygen than you will because the bronchi are more open mm. right okay so that's why you the, the end part of the um that humming these swedish scientists in 2002 did the experiment and did some samples of the person's biochemistry and, and nitric oxide was increased really yeah is it the m the m frequency like when you say m and just humming if you have a song you like you know that song pumped up kid kids it's got a good vibe so i'm like just humming like that puts in a good mood and and you're humming and you're producing intranasal nitric oxide nice okay cool all right so if you want you can uh Move the mic, yeah, however you feel comfortable. You can move it back, you can move it forward, you can adjust it. Back, back and forth and forth, back, back and forth and forth. Is that a song? It's a, yeah, Wu-Tang Clan, a, tra a gravel pit. Nah. Check out my gravel pit. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. unraveling. Yeah. Back, back and forth and forth. It's catchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, if you want, you can just face it towards you, the mic. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. Makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, because if you speak out here, it's like... Oh, yeah, look at that. If you speak here, yeah, then... big difference. Yeah, it's a, it's one direction. It's to yeah. weed out the rest of the Yeah, exactly. Sounds. So yeah. all these sounds are not going to be caught. We don't want them. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, yeah, so... Yeah, neurohacking. Okay, is this on? Are, we, are you... Yeah, we've been on. Oh, we've been this on. This is all part of it. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. Yeah. Um, what do you like? So I've been doing some research uh, about neurohacking before the show. And uh, there's a lot of external things you can do to help with the neurohacking. Right. Yeah. There's a uh, nootropics. Yeah. There's um, there's a uh, binaural sounds that you can hear. Binaural beats. Binaural beats. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's food digestion with your microbiome, which affects like uh, the whole brain, the nerva, the nerva connection between your gut and your brain. Yeah. Um, there's just so many, so many. So, neurohacking. Can you like, what are what is the basics? What like for someone who's probably heard of it before and thinks you know, uh, oh, neurohacking is the brain, it's the nervous system. But what uh, what's your take on it? What's uh, yeah, yeah biohacking, neurohacking. It's 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 all connected. It's it's pretty similar um it's you know like a hacker knows the the, the systems like a laptop or or software and they know how to hack and they know their way around it the idea is to know our nervous system and to hack it to optimize it so it's, it functions better okay our health uh, avoid diseases you know there's so much money that goes into research for cancer but why not teach 
how to, where, where the cancer comes from and how to avoid it mm. rather than to repair it once it's broken right. the body right i think yeah so if you know how to optimize your system you know how to make some changes in your lifestyle and your environment epigenetics then you can avoid these issues that you know you could have if you didn't know how to hack your system and bio and neuro so neurology comes from the neurons and neurotransmitters and uh, we also have so we have hormones and neurotransmitters some of them act as both but the neurons are usually much faster and they communicate between synapses and biochemicals like hormones will come out of the endocrine system and they're usually slower release but i mean biohacking neurohacking one affects the other so it's pretty much the same mm -hmm. so i guess uh but would you say that biohacking is more of uh, the entire body and neurohacking is just with the nervous system or is it all the, the same? The whole body is connected to the nervous system. It right. gives rise to your consciousness. Okay. Like if you're paralyzed and you're looking one way and somebody's poking you with a needle, mm -hmm. you won't be conscious of that effect on your body. Right. So it's not just the brain, but it's the whole body and, and mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I think that... Um, everything is connected i mean especially within the body right so to just say that you know one part is not part of the other it's it doesn't make sense right <laughs> so actually uh funny you should say that i knew two um med students they had finished med school actually they were residents and i told them that the nervous system and the immune system are deeply connected and they told me nope they're not connected one is chemical and one is electrical Okay. But they're both part of your body. How could they not be connected? Of course they're connected. If you're in the fight or flight and you're in the sympathetic nervous system, you're managing energy in a way where you're neglecting your immune system to focus on the threat that's putting you in the sympathetic nervous system. So of course they're, they're connected. Right? Okay. Which, like you which, just said. which one is uh, electrical and which one is... Uh, so the nervous system is electrical. Okay. Impulses. The brain communicates with the rest of the body electrically. And um, the other part the immune system is biochemical biochemical okay but then also too i mean the nervous system like the the nerves connecting do have send chemical they do yeah. so it's all I it's mean, all it's like you just said it's all connected yeah it's yeah. biochemical it's yeah you know, one is not just one electrical yeah. And, yeah they're all connected that's yeah. cool yeah so all right so when when you were trying to do this neurohacking and you're what is the purpose what is the goal because a lot of people when they hear neurohacking they hear okay i want to have an edge over someone i want to be um you know i, I want to be better uh, proficient at my job or i want to be smarter for, so i can uh, make more money or so i can uh, have more possessions or maybe i, or I want to neurohack so i can be happier and i don't want to be depressed anymore um what should you be looking at should you be looking at, at, at an advantage or should you be looking at what like in terms of uh um what is your goal what is your what is the for, for me, it's not really the competition aspect because mm -hmm. you shouldn't compete with other people, but more of the evolution of the self. So you should maybe look at how you were yesterday and hopefully you've evolved and you've become better. Right. And if you can raise your levels of energy through these different neurohacking uh, methods, the more energy a person has, the more they can expand their awareness. Right? Like that. Because it takes energy to think. You know, and sometimes you see people and it's like you're trying to explain them something very logic and pragmatic and they're just, they, ca they can't get it or they're refusing that belief. Because changing your beliefs is not just like, oh, okay, sure. No, it's like, what does that entail? The subconscious mind knows you're going to have to spend a lot of energy. You know, if you want to convert to veganism, 
you're not going to say, oh, uh, okay, I'm going to become a vegan because of your argument. The subconscious mind knows, okay, then if I accept this premise, I have to change my places where I buy my food. What food do I have to buy? Which restaurants do I have to go? I have to research that stuff. That research will take energy. You don't consciously know this. You're just saying, no, I don't think you need to be vegan. Right. But then the subconscious mind knows, oh, if I accept this premise, it's going to be a lot of energy. And if you don't have that excess energy, your body will become weak. And so your body is trying to self-preserve by refusing these concepts. And so that's why cognitive dissonance happens because people try to preserve their energy. So if you have higher levels of energy, you can expand your awareness and accept new premises and then evolve. Wow. That's amazing. I've never heard it explained so simply, the cognitive. It's so simple when you think about the biology of it, because in biology, whether it's a single cell uh, bacteria or a complex human being, there's three uh, priorities. One is to ensure survival at all cost. Number two is to manage energy efficiently, because if you don't, you fail at the first one eventually. Right. And number three is to reproduce. The cell has to reproduce. We humans also have, you know, the, the will to reproduce. And so if you look at it that way, this is what the body is doing and the mind is doing. It's preserving energy mm-hmm. to ensure its survival. Right. And uh, the brain is consumes the, the organ that consumes the most energy, right? Exactly. What is it? How, it's like 25%? 20, yeah, 20, 25%. 25%. And it weighs 3% of the body. So you yeah. can see how it's the most energy requiring organ in the body. Right. So if you're trying to do all these things, and it's like it's trying to preserve energy. Because I heard also, too, for example, when you fast and um, you stop eating and having energy coming in, what the body does, what a cell will do is say, okay, you're not eating anymore. Should I divide? Should I use resources to divide? Or should I try to not put so much energy into dividing instead of just organize and reorganize myself Mm -hmm. and become more efficient? Yes. So yeah, that that makes so much sense. Yeah, and when you, like I've had mononucleosis when I was in university and you know, I was studying biochemistry in university and I understood you shouldn't eat fats. You should, you know, you should eat fruits, vegetables, because it's the least energetically requiring process for your metabolism. Mm-hmm. So if already you're like at a really low state of energy with mononucleosis, and you're eating fats and meats, it's going to take a lot of energy. So you're going to drain your system instead of recovering. Right. You know, so it's going to lengthen the recovery process. Okay. So, so yeah. So we're, we're getting into uh, uh, neural hacking with your diet. Um, so what are, can you explain some, uh, um, different techniques or tips with neurohacking your body through diet and you know, through an environment? Yeah. So epigenetics, epigenetics. involves a lot of, uh, concepts and okay, a lot so of factors. What is epigenetics? What is, okay. right? Some people don't know. <laughs> yeah. So epigenetics is, is the environment that affects your, your system. Okay. And people will say, well, I'm prone to this disease and that disease because it's in my genetic tree, mm-hmm. right? But saying that is like saying um, I produce adrenaline because my parents produced adrenaline. No, you have the genes to produce adrenaline. It's in the code of your genes. But you're turning on that gene if you feel fear. If you don't feel fear, you won't turn on the gene that produces adrenaline. But if you're always producing adrenaline, then you're wearing down the system. Right. So it's not your genes and your parents that created the disease but it's your level of consciousness and your perception mm. that's activating the genes. Okay. So another example is just eating junk food. Right? Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Super Size Me. Yeah. Where this uh, teenager, if I remember correctly, he was a teenager. I think he's an older guy. Or was, or was, was His a, father was doing this study, was it not? And then he subjected his kid. Oh, it's the McDonald's, right? Yeah. The McDonald's. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. He ate McDonald's like for a whole... 
however a month or something or yeah. a year, I don't know. Yeah. And it affects yeah. your like you were saying, your gut and your brain. And so you might become more irritable. You might not even realize it yourself. But mm -hmm. people around you will say, What's gotten into you? You're very aggressive or because they say you are what you eat, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, the diet will also affect the potential or the available nutrients and the, the building blocks of your neurotransmitters and your hormones. So tryptophan, for example, is an amino acid, one of the basic amino acids. And so, you know, they say when you eat turkey, you get really sleepy because tryptophan is a precursor to melatonin. And melatonin is the hormone of sleep. Right? Okay. So if you want to sleep properly and you're having a hard time because of a lot of stress, instead of taking melatonin supplements, which is outsourcing your system, you can internalize and you can change your diet, optimize it. You can do some sun gazing and you can meditate to reduce the cortisol because cortisol and melatonin have an inverse relationship. So obviously, if you're super stressed, you're producing a lot of cortisol. Your emotion is changing your biochemistry and you're suppressing melatonin. Okay. And so I'll never tell people to buy supplements. I'll always tell them to go within and to do some sun gazing, some meditation, because we all ha we all have the tools. Right. So is, wait, is melatonin? melatonin what's on your skin or no, that's melanin, melatonin. Oh, that's yeah, melanin. Me melatonin oh. is the hormone for melatonin. for sleep oh, yeah, melatonin. so your circadian rhythm flips from serotonin in the daytime to melatonin in the nighttime okay. and reverse when you wake up you open your eyes the light hits your retina and then it sends a signal to your brain to convert the melatonin back to serotonin they almost have a similar uh, they have a very similar molecular structure okay and so yeah so talking about sleep now when you there's also different ways to to neurohack your sleep right there's uh blue blockers for light and there's uh there's you know um being in a, in a good environment with sound and acoustics and not having disruptions when you sleep um yes. can, you, can you talk about some of that so blue blocking glasses are mainly relevant for people who can't let go of their technology <laughs> if you're not on your phone or your laptop until Af late at night right actually after supper or sundown that's when you should let go of the, the electronics okay but we, we know what world we live in and people are addicted to their technology mm -hmm. and so that's why blue blocking glasses are so popular mm -hmm. but if you could just let go and read a book or have a conversation uh take walks in the evenings uh, whatever you can hack in your environment and your epigenetics mm -hmm. to promote a, a healthy level of melatonin then you don't need those glasses but yeah, if you're on your your electronics, it's recommended to use mm. those glasses. Because I feel like a lot of people also will go to sleep watching Netflix or yes. go to sleep Television on Facebook well. yeah. or Instagram or some yeah. kind of technology. So what's happening is that the blue light from your TV, your screen, it's confusing and it's tricking your brain saying that it's daytime. Mm. And so it's postponing the conversion of serotonin to melatonin. Mm. So even though you go to bed at midnight because you're tired, if you're on your laptop until 11.45, you're going to go to bed and fall asleep right away because you're tired. But your melatonin optimal levels will only kick in maybe, I don't know, one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning. The The highest peak of melatonin in your circadian rhythm is at 4.30 in the morning. This is why a lot of meditators start work. They start meditating at 4.30 in the morning. Really? It's when the mind is the quietest and you can access altered states of consciousness while you're awake. It just facilitates the process. Nice. Right? And uh, in terms of sound, so... Oh, just before we, we move yeah, on okay. to sound... Uh, I mentioned sun gazing. So people are like, sun gazing, what is that? And even I reacted that way the first time I saw that. I'm like, that's just crazy yeah, because yeah. of belief systems that we have. You think you stare at the sun, you burn your retina, which is true. Depends at what time. Mm. Right? So this sun gazing practice has been 
uh, practiced by the, the, the yogis, ancient Egyptians, the Incas, the Aztecs, all of the cultures worshiped the sun and they stared at the sun because they knew that it optimized their system. In what way? So remember I said when you wake up, you open your eyes and the, the brain receives the light and it converts melatonin, which is your subconscious state of consciousness into your wakeful state. Mm -hmm. And so that light, when you stare at it, it's an energy transfer. <clears throat> the same way you take some sun with your skin, you produce vitamin D and your biochemistry changes. The transfer from the sun is electromagnetic field mm -hmm. to your skin. When you stare at the sun in safe ways. So let me explain what the safe ways are because yeah. people are going to think you're crazy. Like, oh my God, it's 12. I'm going to stare yeah, at the sun. That's, that's super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> the first hour of sun or the last hour before sunset is the safe time to do sun gazing. That doesn't mean you should do it the whole hour. Right, right. When you're starting off, you do 10 seconds. The second day, you do 20 seconds. The third day, you do 30 seconds and so on. And so what happens is that you're getting your eyes used to it. And you're also building confidence. Because if you start staring at the sun for 20, 30, or 40 seconds, you're like, am I really supposed to be doing this? Because mm -hmm. 45 minutes after sunrise, it could get intense. Okay. So if you're just starting off, you might want to start in the first 20 or 30 minutes of sunrise just so that you feel comfortable. I'm at about a half an hour now. But what you do, and you should do this without sunglasses, uh, without glasses or contacts, because even though you're in the first hour, the safe hour, the contacts or the lenses will magnify the rays, and then you could still have problems with your retina, okay. retinopathy, so you could burn your retina. Right. And so what that does is this energy transfer to your retina and you're producing more serotonin. And so because, I, as I mentioned, one is the precursor to the other. If you have more serotonin, when it's time to go to bed, you're going to have more melatonin because you have more of the. And if you change your diet and you start turkey or other uh, like cherries, for example, cherries are really rich in, in tryptophan and a good precursor to melatonin. Okay. And so that way you'll have optimal levels of melatonin. So it sounds weird at first, and you can read about it. There's documentaries on it. Right. Um, it took me a few times to see it. It kept popping up, and I'm like, you know what? It's the third time I see sun gazing. Let me look into it, and I started reading about it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's also like not as bad, for example, when you're doing it in the morning or at sunset because the sun is much further away, so the light is passing through the atmosphere. The with, refraction. The refraction, exactly. Right? So if it's you know if it's 11 or 12 or one the sun is really really bright and heavy yeah. or even yeah even like nine yeah. or eight yeah nine, sometimes nine yeah. in the morning and it's already so strong yeah yeah so yeah. you want to get it when it's just coming up so it's lighter and it's, it's still passing through a lot of atmosphere and it's not as intense yeah. in your eyes so if anybody's listening i recommend you know there's a lot of information being shared go back and read about it because i told my mom she's like oh, okay yeah and two weeks later she's like oh i just went sun gazing I'm like but mom, it's an hour and a half before sunset. I told you the last hour, you know, <laughs> so, you know, with all the information, yeah. you kind of forget, you know, 10 seconds, 20, the, the fourth day I cheated and I did three and a half minutes, Ooh. but the first 30 seconds I was blinking because I felt that the energy of the sun was strong. And after 30 seconds, that intensity kind of went away and I'm like, oh, let me continue a, a few yeah. more minutes. And so, you know, I accelerated the progress, but it's about feeling comfortable and listening to your body. You know, okay. if you start, you just missed you know, the first half an hour and it's 50 minutes into the sunrise and you're just starting off and you want to do 20 seconds. Ah, oh, this is really strong. Like maybe yeah. wait until the next or sunset. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I don't be responsible for anybody burning their, their uh, retina. Yeah, their retina is <laughs> irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and so that helps you also with waking up and, uh, and your sleep energy cycles, levels. Energy it levels. helps with your metabolism as well, because mm -hmm. as you just said, everything is connected, right? Right. So your metabolism depends on hormones. And if you're optimizing your hormones, then you're eating better. A friend of mine who's a PhD in nutrition, I asked him, hey, Patrick, have you tried sun gazing? I just started getting into this. And he goes, no, I heard about it, but 
I don't know. I have a client who says she gets her nutrition from the sun and then I think it, she's a whack job. <laughs> and I go, no, what happens is that when you sun gaze, you're maximizing your melatonin levels. And so if your melatonin levels are high, your cortisol is being controlled or suppressed. So you're not in an abundance of cortisol and cortisol will ruin your metabolism because your cortisol is stress, fight or flight. If you're in fight or flight, the, the, the body knows to pump the blood to your extremities to fight a bear mm -hmm. or a lion or to run away from it, right? So this is a very energy requiring to be in fight or flight all the time. So if you could suppress the cortisol, optimize the melatonin, then the enzymes stay in your internal organs rather than the blood going to the extremities and so you could have proper digestion. Mm. Now you can only imagine people that are working in the corporate environment, super stressed all the time, Sure, they're eating three meals a day, but how much of their nutrients are they really absorbing? Because they're always in fight or flight. The metabolism is out of whack. The hormones are not optimized. The enzymes, the gastric acids. Right. So this is all things to take into consideration. So when I explained to him all of that, he goes, oh, yeah, this makes more sense. I, I'll buy that one. Right. I'm like, So she eats less because she's optimizing her hormones. Oh. And I noticed when I sun gaze, my sugar cravings, which are really strong, <laughs> they tend to go away. Really? Because I'm optimizing my hormones. And it's, you know, dopamine, you want that dopamine rush because you have an imbalance in hormones. And so that sugar will give it to you. But if you're uh, in equilibrium with your hormones, that you have less of that need, that necessity for the dopamine that the sugar gives you. Yeah, I think that a lot of people will also fixate on eating more or eating more nutrients and vitamins, but they don't realize that also too, are you absorbing all of these nutrients and vitamins? Yes. And if you're at, at high stress levels, then you're not going to be absorbing. You're not going to be operating as efficiently as you can. Yeah. So. Tiffany, a friend of ours, uh, Tiffany, yeah, yeah. which uh, is a nutritionist, talks about conscious eating and mm -hmm. your emotions and your subconscious mind, your belief systems, because you could change the diet and you can exercise. But if your mind is not aligned mm -hmm. and you have these negative beliefs, your limiting beliefs, then you're not going to get many results. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. also too why a lot of people who do go vegan or plant-based have an adverse reaction to it because maybe they may be trying it, but they don't really believe in it as much. So they, oh, I tried it for a month or two and didn't really sit well with me. And right. it's like, well, did you really tr like try, you tried it, but did you really try it? Did you really get conscious about eating and, and accept it? Or were you just like, no, I'm going to try it and thinking it was going to fail from the beginning. It's a big reorganization of energy to yeah. change your diet drastically like that. Yeah. And so that, that has to do a lot with the, like also with the placebo, right? Like how you feel about yes. something and how, yeah, can you, what, what, do you, what, what is the placebo? Oh, the placebo is so interesting. And the nocebo as well, which is oh. much less understood or known. Yeah, I think a lot of people may not even know what a nocebo is. Yeah, so placebo is believing that the pills will help you and then you're taking these sugar pills. Mm -hmm. This is done in pharmaceutical studies. Um, and so it's not limited to the pills. It also injections and even operations. Can you believe it? And so people receive injections or like a sham operation or a mistaken operation and they start healing the issue that they needed an operation for right. because the mind believes that the body is healed. And so it, it fixes itself. Nocebo is the reverse. It's expecting to be sick and then you become sick because oh. you're expecting. And why is that? Because of the emotion that's associated to it. Right? Okay. And the way they established the effect of nocebo is that they had two groups, a control group that didn't read the side effects of the medication and another group, which they read all of the side effects. So arrhythmia, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, all of the ones that are usually listed. So imagine you, you read that, so you become conscious of that. You just have to read it once, you just become conscious of it. But every time you're taking that pill, twice a day or three times a day, you're reminded or your body remembers, oh my God, am I gonna get diarrhea this time? Am I gonna get diarrhea this time? I'm fearful, you know, I'm scared of these side effects. 
fear puts you into the fight or flight cortisol adrenaline and as i just mentioned if you're in fight or flight you're pumping the, the blood to your extremities your enzymes that are used for digestion are not in your digestive system so you're not digesting properly your metabolism is out of whack so you get diarrhea or constipation or all of these different symptoms wow yeah i think i've heard that a lot of the uh, placebo and nocebo well not the nocebo but the placebo effect is has to do a lot with the stress levels the cortisol because when you do have this operation or that wasn't a real or you take a sugar pill that you think is going to make you better and it makes you better um once you're taking this pill your stress levels go down because you think oh this is going to help me so you maybe your cortisol cortisol levels go down and then you start becoming better because your stress levels are down well, what's the emotion that you feel when you're taking a pill the emotion hope yeah. hope right okay you're feeling hopeful you're feeling happy that you have a solution to your problem yeah, yeah. and eventually it'll help so that feeling of hope is much better than that feeling of fear or stress. And this is how you're changing your biochemistry from your level of mind and your thoughts and your emotions. Wow. Every, this is Candice Perth's work. Uh, she's a neuroscientist. Every emotion has a biochemical associated to it. And every emotion has a thought that originated from it. Right? So it's mm -hmm. this whole sequence. You think something, then you feel it, then you produce the bio. So it's something immaterial and then it becomes material. You know, people think thoughts are immaterial. They're they're very material because, by association, they have a chemical or biochemical associated to them. Oh, okay. So, em does emotion come first, a thought, or how, what's a what's chicken, 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 or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, when you have a reaction to something, I, I've heard some people say that it's first emotion and, and then thought. But some people have also told me that the opposite of uh, of thinking is feeling, because when you're feeling, you're not really thinking. So letting go. Letting go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the French version of mindfulness, but it's, um, I'm having a blank right now. <laughs> mindfulness. Like lâcher prise, which is like letting go. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or it's really pleine conscience, so full consciousness, but also when you're in full consciousness, you're connecting with the energy, the divine energy of your, your being. Mm -hmm. You're just letting go, right? When you're in your thought process, it's this whole conditioning of the mind. This is why some people have, such a hard time meditating when they've never meditated before it's like i couldn't my out of the 10 minutes i think i had thoughts for nine and nine minutes and 45 seconds <laughs> because we're so conditioned right yeah, yeah. and yeah, when i did vipassana 10 days of silent meditation you're there nine hours per day eventually you'll get it okay like let go of the thoughts let go like you that's all you're practicing is letting go of the thought letting go of the thought letting go of the thought mm -hmm. so eventually you're just vibrating in energy <clears throat> I've uh, I've heard I've been of a passion in Thailand and uh, the way they kind of compare it is that for example in in Western society or societies where people are constantly working all the time and and are always on this this movement it's it's kind of like trying to stop a you know a tractor trailer and okay. just stop it in, from moving as opposed to someone else who's more relaxed and chill where they're like a they're a car or a bicycle or a scooter yeah. it's much easier to stop them but uh, a something where you have so much going on and so many things in your mind that's hard to stop so you, it's like process yeah everybody's different right, right. so my, i went from the the app uh, headspace 10 minutes per day for 10 days yeah, yeah. to like a vipassana you know <laughs> like in in a few months so some people they they won't want to do mindfulness it's too slow for them and they'll mm -hmm. do the wim hof breath you know which is an active meditation right uh, so there's passive, there's active, there's intense ones like Vipassana, there's light ones like Headspace. Everybody will 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 have something that's gonna that's gonna call to them a bit more intensely or more efficiently. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, so it, the the idea is just to try many things, 
to see what's going to stick. What works for you? Yeah, it's like trying different instruments, trying different sports. Yeah. Everyone has different wants and desires and needs yeah. and things that resonate more with them. So parents, parents do that with their kids. They'll put them in piano lessons, then soccer, then you know a different instrument, then another sport or karate, and then yeah. like, well, they didn't like that, so we let that go, and they love this. So then, yeah. same, we're the same. We just try things and see what what sticks. I like that. I like that a lot. It's uh, it's different for different people. Um, and so in terms of uh, uh, the binaural, I really like. Yes. I really, I just learned about this uh, before the podcast uh can you talk about how how it works binaural uh, beats i don't really use them but i know that the, the, they work it's the differential of five hertz between the right and the left ear that's why you need headphones more than just your laptop that's got a speaker mm-hmm. and you and also said that uh, the airpods are not really good to use. yeah so i've watched several documentaries on electromagnetic fields and how they affect your dna and mm-hmm. cause mutations so the wireless airpods uh, connect with the phone or the source, the laptop, mm-hmm. but they also connect with each other. And so the electromagnetic energy goes through your brain. There's a, I did a post about the three documentaries. One is Generation Zapped. One is uh, Resonance, uh, Beings of Frequency. And the third one uh, escapes me right now. But okay. if I think of it, I'll right. mention it. So binaural beats is having five hertz differential in both ears. And so this differential will change your brain waves. There's okay. also solfeggio frequencies. What is it? Solfeggio. Solfeggio. Solfeggio frequencies. Depending on the emotion, um, it'll play at a specific frequency and then you get entrainment. And then your mind and your emotional body will start to get entrained by that solfeggio frequencies, mm. that, that frequency. And then there's uh, isochronic tones, which uh, theoretically I know the least, but experientially I know the most because I listen to them and my head just started you know, shifting as yeah. when I do my Kriya in the morning and I produce DMT endogenously, the body reacted the same way. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't get scared, but some people might get scared. Right. Uh, just like in the, in the cap Kundalini activation process, it's, it's kind of like massage energy movement mm-hmm. that the practitioner will do. And your body sometimes will shake or whatnot. And they're just raising energy. I do this myself every morning. So I wasn't taken back by it. So, so uh, isochronic tones. I also know from Jamie Wheel that uh, it's the sounds that have the most research done on them. That's probably why I don't do binaural beats. Okay. But I went along with the uh, isochronic tones. Isoch- on YouTube, I found a video, isochronic tones, Schumann Resonance. Put that on because it caught my attention, the Schumann Resonance. And my body started reacting in a way, like it just aligning with frequency. So I didn't mention what, uh, I, I can go back to Schumann Resonance. Yeah, but yeah. Entrainment is also important to know. Okay. So entrainment is this rubbing off of a frequency onto another. So if you have a tuning fork mm-hmm. and you, you you smash it, or mm-hmm. you don't smash it, but you, you hit it hit on it. the table, the other tuning fork will start to vibrate in the same frequency. Right. And us, because we're resonance, uh, or beings of resonance and frequency, the same thing happens. So your heart has a frequency. Frequency is the waves in a second. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if you have, uh, in your hospital, you see the statistics and you see the heartbeat yeah, and yeah. brainwaves, heartbeat, everything is frequency, right? And so uh, Heart Math Institute continued this work from Ishtag Bedtov in the 70s. He was way ahead of his time. And he talked about physics and he was an engineer of the consciousness. And so they continued his work and they uh, he had uh, connected a ballistograph, which is you know, measuring the waves according to the body as an energetic physical system. And so Heart Math Institute started measuring the heartbeat to the millisecond. And they started doing different tests according to emotions. So heart rate variability is the heart that, um, the heart rate that varies 
but it's not looking at it after the whole minute, but it's looking at it between every second, the millisecond. Then it has a value and then it assesses a heartbeat at every second of the minute. Then they can see if there's variations within that minute, right? Okay. Simple? Yeah. Right. So then they started associating, associating the emotion of the person with the heart rate variability. So if there's a high heart rate variability, the heart rate is varying a lot. And that usually comes with uh, unstable emotions like fear, anger, stress. And when you can establish your emotions, uh, calm them down and have higher levels or higher emotions, then you're establishing uh, lower heart rate variability, which is heart coherence, they mm -hmm. called. And so then they started doing these experiments where people were sitting down and not meditating and people next to them were meditating and the person not meditating was uh, was having heart coherence, even though they weren't meditating. Their emotional state was shifting or their heartbeat was shifting. So they were like a tuning fork. <laughs> exactly. And so when we know this, then we know that everything affects us and the higher our energy or our vibration, the less we'll be affected. Uh, mm -hmm. If we have a low vibration, then we are easily affected by other people's energies. Right? And uh, I was mentioning last year, in 2020, there was a lot of fear. Mm. Fear was so pervasive. Yeah. And so you could say, well, I never feared the virus. Right. But did you fear anything else? Did you fear your parents or your grandparents dying because they don't have a strong immune system like yours? Mm -hmm. Did you fear the government because it was stripping you of your rights and your liberties? And that was my fear. You know, I noticed everything that was happening. And like, <clears throat> we're, we can't, we're not free anymore. We can't do what we want anymore all of a sudden. Right. And so it's so pervasive that it rubs off of you. And the, I think it was the, the folks at HeartMath Institute that measured uh, the, the heart, uh, sorry, the Schumann resonance, which is kind of like the heart coherence of the earth oh. when Lady Diana died. And because the whole world was going through this sorrow, the emotional state of every, or not every, but most human beings was emanating from their bodies and it was affecting the Schumann resonance. So oh. I should probably ex explain what the Schumann resonance yeah, is. Explain it. As I mentioned, it's... Um, it's the frequency of the earth and it's reverberations. So you've got the earth and then you've got the ionosphere around the earth mm -hmm. and you have reverberations of frequencies and energy that travels through the earth. And so the Schumann resonance is 7.83 Hertz. This scientist called Schumann discovered this 7.83 Hertz. Okay. Yes. And sometimes it fluctuates for various reasons. As I mentioned, the collective emotional state of humanity, for example, because the heart has a magnetic field away from our body so this if you magnify it with everybody on earth it's going to impact the Schumann resonance wow. solar flares also so explosions kind of like a volcano the, the sun is always spewing out fire right. right but if there's a volcano of fire which is like a, a huge burst of energy facing the earth the earth will feel that and the Schumann resonance will fluctuate like a sun flare yeah, and this affects our nervous system because mm -hmm. we have every everything is connected, right? It's been the theme of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything is connected. Our nervous system connects with the Schumann resonance. And uh, I'm from Montreal, and in Montreal, a couple of summers ago, there was uh, three stabbing cases in the same weekend. And the newspaper said it's likely that the coincidence is because of the heat wave. I'm like heat wave, and I started researching this. And yes, heat can can raise the aggression in the emotional state of human beings, which heat comes from the sun. So the energy transfer from the sun in higher abundance mm. or excess will raise the aggression levels in human beings. Wow. Or can, not will, but can. Yeah, yeah. Right? Especially people maybe who are vibrating on a lower frequency. <coughs> exactly. Yeah. From their 
their mental construct and their childhood and you know their environment right mm -hmm. and so some people might be more impulsive and then they act in and, and they have these stabbings mm -hmm. but then i thought that was so interesting and so the energy from the sun is affecting our emotional state and our emotional state is connected to our nervous system right so our nervous system connects with the schumann resonance okay and so in february of 2020 february 27th specifically i have an aunt who's an astrologer who studied ayurveda who is very healthy eats organic she meditates meditates every day she's very connected to her body mm -hmm. she felt her whole skin burning the whole day she's like what the hell's going on she goes online to research because i don't think any doctor would know or that's not true probably a very small percentage yeah, of doctors yeah. would know what the schumann resonance is some doctors are pretty curious <laughs> and uh not following the system of med school but she felt her whole body uh, burning and she went online and she found a guy in the black forest in germany explaining that he felt something similar and he found a website a russian website that reports the schumann resonance and uh, it had peaked at to 100 so when it fluctuates it goes from 7.83 to 14 goes back to 7.83 wow, 21 170 like 10 what? like yeah huge right more that's than 10 times that's crazy and so i was reading the comments on that video and somebody said i was feeling very angry very out of character of me i didn't know why it's not my personality to be so angry thank you for this video it might explain why i was feeling that way another person wrote i was lethargic in bed all day had no energy i don't know what the hell was going on and that peak in the schumann resonance can be why i didn't notice anything or maybe i did but i didn't make the correlation but everybody has different nervous system from different mental accumulations and a different construct. Somebody who's more anxious, somebody who's more calm, they might be more or less affected by the Schumann resonance. But this does affect our our system. Wow. And so this is what I want to mention. Yeah, it's important that we know that sometimes we might in, be in a different state of mind and emotion, but it could be because of the sun. It could be because of things that are bigger than our little environment mm -hmm. of our house or our argument with somebody in our family. I wonder what the Schumann residence is like when the whole pandemic or this whole lockdown started. Uh, like if it was measured, if there's a, if it's like a hundred or two hundred or like the hurts, the changes in the Schumann residence with the fear going on. Well, yeah. So February 27th was right before the lockdowns were announced mm -hmm. in March. Okay. And it was at 170. But then if you look at the Schumann residence throughout the year after that, right. it fluctuated a lot. So the okay. energy was very volatile. Okay. Some people were empowered. Some people were, you know, Totally destroyed and then they had to redefine themselves reinvent themselves mm -hmm. but emotionally it was very difficult right mm. and actually uh there's another thing i wanted to mention that um and you can research on heart math and greg braden talks a lot about this okay about how before an event can happen um the schumann resonance of the emotion you know like when there's a storm that's coming birds start to act up yeah yeah. because they know they don't have the thinking process that kind of ruins us sometimes because we think too much mm. but if you just feel like you said before the feeling right of just letting go of the thought and just feeling animals have this sixth sense of thing like you know shit shit's about to hit the right. fan right <laughs> we could have that too but we have been so conditioned to thinking that we've let go of the feeling the intuition and the gut feeling right right so if there is something major that would that would be happening in the world, the Schumann resonance also could be affected. And I think it was September 10th, 2001, where there was a, a major fluctuation a day before September 11th attacks. Wow. So kind of a day before that was going to happen, there was this this information in the field, you know, of our existence that kind of 
new or foul just like the way animals feel storms that are about to come even though the storm isn't there right i wonder uh if there's a way to get more in tune with that maybe i guess yeah neurohacking right meditation meditation. you know deep meditations hypnosis yeah yeah Uh, there's all i think uh a lot of animals we like to think of them as more primitive but they're actually a lot more intelligent in a different way than we are yes no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a dog is way more conscious than you are on smells. Right? Yeah. People will say, well, humans are the most conscious beings on earth. You know, with what respect? It depends yeah. on what you're talking about. How you measure intelligence, how you yeah. measure consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what is the what is the way that uh, people um, measure? Like, what do you think think is the best metric for consciousness? Is it different for everybody or is it um, how you think, how you your emotional intelligence or is it a combination of everything? And. Um, does neurohacking help with that or yeah yeah neurohacking helps with developing emotional intelligence and i think emotional intelligence is is like the new gold right yeah like uh before it was maybe physical strength you know mm-hmm. hundreds of years hundreds of years ago and now it's um, education and, and knowledge right? Right. you do a phd and you stand out in society but with the age of information now and everything on online and wikipedia and resources and videos and courses yeah Everybody has access to this information. And so if you're a PhD, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of like everybody else now. Not really. I mean, it's still very yeah. valid. But I think in the future, uh, the people who will have most success are the people who have emotional intelligence, who can develop that, who have tools, who bring it to another level. And what controls, what part of the brain controls like emotion? Is it the amygdala? Is it the, the amygdala is the, is the stress response. Yeah. Stress response. So that's a, it's a very important one where the emotions are okay. really intense. And so that sends the signal to your adrenals to produce adrenaline and cortisol so that you could have all of the other functions follow your pupils to dilate, your heart to pump blood to extremities, your metabolizing stored energy because you need that energy. Okay. You know, and the reason why we get sweaty when we have a hot date or we have a job interview or a presentation mm-hmm. is because your heart is pumping blood to the extremities and you're creating a combustion. Mm-hmm. Just like the car, that you're going to use gasoline and oxygen to create a combustion, generate energy and movement, and then you're going to touch the engine and it's going to be hot. Right. The body does the same thing. It's using storage, storage of energy. When you have excess food that you're eating, you store energy. And then when you need it at a later date, like in a time of stress, mm-hmm. you're breaking it down with oxygen. That's why your your respiration rate goes up because you need more oxygen to burn down that those stores of fat mm-hmm. to generate energy. And then you get sweaty hands and sweaty feet because that's heat oh, and movement. Okay. Nice. I didn't know that. So and in, in the terms of uh, how humans are different from animals or how we've developed We've, we've developed this part of the brain called the neocortex. Yeah. And that has the a... prefrontal cortex. What does that control mostly? The, the thinking, the logical side? Is that what we're using so mostly of? creativity, will, planning, time, mm-hmm. right? Right. And uh, so when they did lobotomies in the last century, they were putting a scalpel through the, the eye what? socket like, like for, in- for, for patients that had mental diseases. Oh, right? they would drill into their skull? No, or? they would use a scalpel and they would enter it through the eye socket, okay. the orbital bone right here underneath, right. and they would kind of swoosh the prefrontal cortex to see if they can heal the mental disorder that the patient what? had. That's crazy. But then you had people who became very monotonous, very repetitive, uh, lack of energy, lethargic, no will. So the will that we have, the free will, comes from the prefrontal cortex. And when you meditate, you can kind of reorganize your brain waves to combine your creative side, both uh, both sides of the brain, the creative and the analytical, and 
quiet down the thinking brain, which is an overthinking brain, which kind of like ruins our gut feeling, right? And so that's how you can have amazing ideas when you slow down that process. There was, I think, um, Edison was the one who would intentionally alter his brainwaves by having a, a metal ball and this tin plate and it would make a noise. So he would sit on his chair and he would kind of doze off. He dozed off and then he would drop that ball, ball and it would wake him up and then he would hack his subconscious and he'd have great creative ideas because he was neurohacking back in the day, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. One of the most primitive forms of neurohacking. I like that. I like that. That's good. Um, there's so many different techniques and we think that neurohacking is a new thing, but I feel that maybe a lot of the, the great minds like Nikola Tesla yeah. and, and all these people had um, a way to be able to neurohack and to improve their efficiency and how they operated. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, we all have, diff so some people develop that and some people are born with it, right? Uh -huh. Some people have gifts. Some people see things when they're kids and then the parents say, no, no, that's just crazy. You're not seeing any, any ghosts or any aura. I could see the aura, the color around you is like, that's impossible. Right. And then that kid will suppress that because it, it, they believe their parents and that's impossible. I can't be seeing colors and they grew up as adults and they've just lost that natural gift that they could see the aura, the color around the person. Yeah. But you could also develop that skill knowingly. Mm -hmm. You could do these exercises to kind of um, increase your vision or your field of perception and consciousness, right? which is what that is. Yeah, I think, uh, for example, the way that bees can see a different color and uh, like ultraviolet or something humans can. But I think there's definitely things res like we said, we're frequency. So I I've met people who have said, well, at least say that they can see people's frequency um, auras. Yeah. And and I, and I put it through the, through the test where they will say, oh, this person has this color. And then that same person, someone, some other stranger will come in. And they'll say that, oh, this this is your color and this is your frequency. It's similar to this person, not knowing that they actually had, you know, spent the night together and worked together. So maybe that's why they had the same frequency. But without mm. knowing this, yeah. they were he was able to match their aura and their frequency. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. This one guy I met here in uh, in Tulum, he did that. I was like, man, maybe I don't know if I believe it, but wow, there's something to it. There's something interesting yeah. about that. And you I gotta stay open when people tell us things. Yeah. It's possible, you know, like who am I to judge that that's impossible? And I, I went to, have you been to the uh, astral projection in uh, Ikal with Bobby Klein? No, but that sounds interesting yeah. too. I wanted to do that. What he does is he kind of matches people based off their aura. Oh. So before everyone gets started with the breathwork and the Kundalini exercise yeah. and the astral projection, he will say, okay, well, it's going to take about 10 minutes and I'm going to match every person with um, with a person who's with similar energy or a matching energy. Yeah. And he checks your aura and he matches you based off your, your aura, which is interesting. It's, it's crazy. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love that. I love that these things that... Um, that I've been questioning, I'm kind of, you know, you know, with the whole movement and, and the, the cap, the Kundalini activation process, um, I met people that I believe that I've never done it myself, but that have gone through it and you've gone through it. And, oh, not the, not the Kundalini, but the different ways that energy can influence and move your body. So I think, you know, a lot of people may be listening who've never even heard of this. I think it's like not real. I think it's like super interesting that when you get here, it's you see people who have done it and who have experienced it. And it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up their their minds and their their consciousness yeah know? so and so in terms of what what other techniques uh, are there for for i mean there's so many neurohacking techniques right yeah uh, meditation is a good one it's probably the cheapest one right anybody yeah. can do it because you're not outsourcing you're taking charge and, and control of your system um hypnosis, hypnosis either yeah. with a therapist or auto hypnosis 
right? Auto which hypnosis. you're changing your brain. So hypnobirthing is that. Uh, hypnobirthing is super interesting. The woman who's pregnant can learn throughout the months of her pregnancy and prepare to enter a, like a trans state or an altered state of consciousness. Okay. So that she's not going to put all the attention on the pain. Because if you put the focus on the pain, you're going to intensify it. Right. And then the biochemicals will follow. So you're going to mm -hmm. have a surge of cortisol and adrenaline. But if you could not suppress, because that's not going to work, but transcend. Transcend. Right? Okay. So the best way I could explain this is I did the Camino de Santiago, the pilgrim walk in Spain, where you work, you walk 500 kilometers 500 in kilometers. a month. There's these uh, hostels and, ah, okay, and okay. Uh, it's, it's all set up. It's like this very famous walk, a pilgrimage. For a whole month. For a whole month. Some people do it for two months. They start in France and they finish in Spain. Some people start at the border and they finish in Santiago de Compostela, uh -huh. the city. And um, it's been going on for you know, hundreds of years. People do it either for religious reasons, because there's a lot of churches, spiritual reasons to reconnect with the self, um, athletic reasons just to work out, and then the other reason can be for socializing. Yeah, Bobby Klein has his uh, his his thing where he's measuring auras and he matches people with their with their energies and amazing amazing guy and uh, I think that auras uh. Auras and the energy levels are something that a lot of people really don't take into account, but that are maybe science doesn't have the instruments right now to measure it. But I mean, if you feel it, if someone else can see it and, and it's it's real to them and, and it's an experience for them, then how is it not real? Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, other ways to neurohack and I was mentioning uh, meditation, hypnosis, hypnobirthing and the Camino Santiago. So the four ways that a person or the four intentions a person would want to do Camino Santiago is spiritual, religious, uh, sports, athletic, or just to socialize. Because you meet interesting people outside of the box. Right? Yeah. And so when I uh, was at my last week of the month, the whole month that I was walking, my, my right ankle was swollen. And I noticed that 15, 20 minutes after beginning the day, I didn't feel the pain anymore. And ending my day, the pain would come back. It never left. It's because my awareness or consciousness or focus would go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Either a conversation with somebody else walking next to me or the, the scenery. <clears throat> and so that's what made me realize our pain is, is manifested through our mind, right? And so if a woman is about to give birth or in a few months, and it's thought to be a painful process, if you can hack your brain, self-hypnotize, learn how to enter in that trance state of consciousness, then you're not going to focus on the pain. <coughs> and so that's a, a way to ease the process, because if you're going to focus on it, the baby will receive the cortisol and the adrenaline through the umbilical cord. The more adrenaline you produce, because the more you're stressed, because the more you're putting focus on the pain, the more the baby receives that you know, intense biochemistry. Okay. Yeah, right? yeah. And another thing, epidurals, contain um not quoting but it contains opioids right. epidurals contain opioids and the babies that are born of uh, epidurals are more likely to be uh to have addictive personalities mm -hmm. because they've received a dose of chemicals external chemicals that were meant to suppress the pain but then it messes up with your neurochemistry yeah. and your develop your mental development yeah, that's such a big part. I mean, I think so many people take 
these uh this epidural and these drugs when they're giving birth and they don't realize it's the easy way yeah yeah right? so you think more of natural birth yeah of course yeah and then uh maybe doing some uh, hip hypnotherapy before or just changing hip, your yeah hypnobirthing but it, you know if you're a guy and you want to run a neurohack neuro meditation self-hypnosis uh listening to the the binaural beats isochronic tones or sulfidric frequencies is right. a good way yeah, there's man. just so many right yeah so there, change all, your diet a bit you know? there's all these uh, external ways to neurohack now um there's also a way to just internalize and and produce you know we take uh we may take a lot of these um nootropics or maybe use uh sound uh what we talked about uh binaural beats and um changing up your 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 diet and food and and taking certain drugs like ayahuasca or or mushrooms but there's also a way to neurohack your body from the inside from without external yeah so i i do this kriya where i produce dmt endogenously really dmt yeah. dimethyltryptamine yeah which is very similar to melatonin and serotonin okay and so a bit like a chemistry lab you could put in a beaker different chemicals but if you don't have any energy or heat there's no conversion made but if you have the brunson burner the flame the heat you start to make chemical reactions the body's the same way and so if you can raise your level of energy you can start converting melatonin or serotonin to dmt they practically have the same structure you just shift a, a chemical or two a little molecule or part of the molecule and uh, you can do this through breath work when you do the fire uh, the breath of fire fire breath or the holotropic breath that uh, Wim Hof teaches you're raising the levels of energy that's why when you do fire breath you get sweaty you're activating the sympathetic nervous system you're breathing and because of the ohm chanting you're getting more oxygen out of your breath then you have higher levels of energy and then you can convert that chemical and mm -hmm. if you have your eyes closed Sometimes I see fractals, uh, fractals. I see uh, hallucinations or vivid imagery. Uh, I see elements like uh, like blue gold, like this very shiny blue material that I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, you see patterns, kaleidoscope. You're you're downloading information. You're raising your energy, which then expands your mind. And you can, remember I was talking about how thought process and if you have higher levels of energy, then you could start seeing things in a different way. You download information, you have more intuition, mm. things start to align in your life right? from to, that DMT. Start to deprogram all your social programming yeah. and, and things that you were taught to believe in to, or to look things at a certain way. Everything is that. Everything is social construction and programming. And, you know, if you start to undo that, even your name was a social construction from your parents. Right. You're just this ball of energy, <laughs> but your name is given to you by your parents. You yeah. know? Even time, time is an illusion, right? Because if you're in the... The quantum physics of proton electron in the atom there's no time right it's just energy right? mm. so yeah, I think, yeah, not, the linear part i mean is right is a, a man-made construct and that's why um einstein said it was relative because if you are seeing somebody move at this angle 90 90 degree and then or if you're at a different angle the time space is different mm -hmm. right and so it, that's why it's relative yeah everyone experiences time differently like for, i think he also said that someone who um puts their hand on a hot stove will experience that time like one second can feel like a minute or right. two as opposed to where you're having a great conversation or you're hanging out with a beautiful person and a date uh you know an hour can feel like a few minutes yeah just fly by so, so fast depending on your level of consciousness yeah, and your interests and your desires and your social construction if you go to opera and you're like oh my god that three hours was so long and somebody who's like an obsessed fan of opera will say yeah. 
that felt like 10 minutes. It went by so fast. <laughs> it's the three hours. The three hours is the construct and then the level of consciousness and your constructions are different. So I like that. Ever since I've, I started meditating, it's very rare that I say, oh, that afternoon flew by or time, time flies. I never say that anymore. Time flies, no. N nor do I say, oh my God, it's like, can we get on with this? Time is so slow. Like it's just, I don't know. I just have a different relationship with time now. Yeah. So how do you experience time then? Uh, what's your experience with, uh, well, with maybe not time, but duration, I guess people call it, or just life. And how do you experience life now that, you know. Vi vibing, energy, frequencies, connections, like that takes much more space than time. It's, I guess I'm in the right place. If we're in Mexico, you know, people yeah. are <laughs> just free flowing with time and not so, you know, not so attached. rigid, it, yeah. attached, you know, no more watch. You know, we still have time on our phone, but. Right. I think, uh, I guess that's good for maybe synchronizing maybe a lot like i, I guess uh if, if you want to meet someone at a certain like for example we met at a certain time because it's we had to synchronize our, our time together yeah. our, our meeting point in space and time um but in terms of where you're just you're having you're experiencing life it's yeah it's not something that you should attach yourself to yeah. this concept of time there's this interesting uh, thing that i read when um talking about altered states of consciousness and neurohacking when we have an orgasm mm. right what what before that i'll ask you a question why do you think society is so hypersexualized the way the the the, the female body is used or porn addictions mm. why do i think it's hypersexualized and unhealthy um hmm. i would say because ooh, why is it hypersexualized I, I think it's also hypersexualized on just females too because you don't really see men being men have uh, you know but are notoriously a, addicted to porn. Well, no, no, yeah, I'm saying that we hypersexualize the female body and then men are addicted to that, but we don't see like men and porn people. addiction is a form of hypersexualization. Right. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So men too have their I mean it's it's everything is connected, like we keep saying. So. Okay. But um yeah, one reason is religion prohibits it. Right? Okay. Even though people are not so religious anymore, or religion is kind of going down. Um the social and cultural effect of religion in the past generations have remained, right? Mm -hmm. Because your parents were religious and or your grandparents, and then the, the the double standard, for example, in society still remains because of that. It's just hard to change. Right. right yeah. It's possible, but it's it takes a lot so of. So the pro pro prohibition of uh, of like of sex you can't do of the it act, makes yeah. you want it more. Exactly, yeah. and also the other thing is during the time of orgasm, we experience this short moment of timelessness and egolessness mm. right time stops for a few moments and that moment is just energy and it's just it feels so good for the soul mm. that because we are not uh, meditating since the age of six some of us the lucky ones that had hippie parents but, <laughs> but because we don't really have access to those altered states of consciousness or now it's raising but people in the you know in the old ways don't have those moments they only have them through orgasms and so they want it so bad because it feels so good for the soul that that's why they get obsessed with that that feeling, that emotion. Mm -hmm. But if you were to meditate or produce DMT endogenously and have these moments of bliss and ecstasy, then your relationship or your perception of sex and orgasms would be different. It's something, something that you absolutely need because you've never had it before or you don't have any other ways of attaining it. But it's something that you want. And wanting and needing are two different things. If you need, you might make some mistakes you know, in your ways of either choosing a partner or your actions. But if you want, then it becomes much more um, divine and wholesome, right? Mm, I like that. 
So yeah, and definitely uh, the sexual energy or the what is it in the sacral chakra is I think one of the most powerful forms of energies is the energy to be able to create life. Yeah. And uh, being being able to channel that with uh, with tantra or some other techniques that I've uh, heard some people talk about here in Tulum, it's really interesting. Yeah, preserving that creative force and, and transmuting it. Trans I mean, one that. one thing is to do that, but if you're if you don't have any tools, and you're just gonna do no fapping, and then you're sexually frustrated, and you get aggressive, and you, your testosterone, you know, all That's of that is yeah. taken into consideration. Yeah. You know, you need techniques. You need to do it in a healthy way. Just like you were talking about, you know, changing your diet and then it didn't work. It didn't resonate. Mm -hmm. Well, because maybe your level of consciousness and your tools weren't optimized. Like but when you can align all of that, that's when magic starts to happen. Your logical mind and your emotional mind, your creative mind, you start generating and manifesting a new reality. Uh, I think that we need more of this schooling, this way of schooling of uh, being able to tap into so much potential from the inside and maybe not looking so much in the external. I mean, I know there's a lot of techniques for neurohacking or biohacking that requires change of diet, that requires certain chemicals or drugs like coffee and tea. And um, we because, all have the power from within. Yeah, we all have that inner. And that's what I think maybe not everyone is realizing, but I've been realizing when I've been doing these podcasts is that a lot of the power, a lot of the power to heal yourself, a lot of power to get better. It comes from if you have that ability, like the gurus and even doctors are just maybe a guide or way for you to heal yourself whether yeah. it's yeah something external the way i like to do is i just share a tool and then you're responsible for that tool if you don't want if you if it resonated if it didn't if you want to find another tool i share theory and practice um but if you don't do any any work mm -hmm. then there's they're unlikely to have any evolution i mean you could have like a near-death experience or mm -hmm. one sharp event or a depression or a breakup and then it's gonna jolt you into like a new level of consciousness but now, if you do these exercises every day, then you're slowly evolving and you're you don't need the trauma to grow. You know, you could just align. Uh, yeah. So, so you, you also do um, events here in Tulum and, and other places around the world. So what do your events look like uh, for people who don't know or maybe are interested? So I do workshops where I explain the nervous system, uh, the molecules of emotions, uh, the physics of the body, like Ishtak Bentov had shared. Uh, my experiences in the pharmaceutical industry and in the medical equipment industry. Okay. I also worked in medical skincare, so DNA mutations in the skin and how to avoid or reduce. It's impossible to avoid DNA mutations. What do, what do you think about a sunscreen? Uh -huh. sunscreen? I think my opinion will be very controversial, but, but I stopped using sunscreen. I uh, also too, but yeah. I tell people, but I don't know why. Which is the same way I wouldn't stare at the sun at noon. I wouldn't put myself in the sun from 11 to 2 in the afternoon because mm -hmm. that's the strongest. Okay. That's when you burn the most. But um, sunscreens, there's two different types. I used to work at SkinCeuticals, which is a medical skincare line. And we were big on sunscreens. There's physical blocks and chemical blocks. Okay. Physical are the minerals, titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, and the chemical blocks, avobenzone and whatnot. But so many have been controversial down the line. And then, oops, we had to remove that product because it caused health issues. And then this is the new one we have. And then two, two years, oops, this one too. And then... It's always like, an, I just want to avoid the oops and like, and just not go down that route. And then the physical one, people will say, well, there's no systemic, there's no absorption of the chemicals, but there can still be a systemic absorption of the minerals and they're micronized. So titanium dioxide is like what the lifeguards put on their nose, mm. that white paste, which is not very sexy for most people that go to the beach, right? right. Unless you're the surfer who really needs to protect yourself. Yeah. That's really thick and won't absorb. So I would say that's fine, but it's unlikely that people will start to use that. So they have these 
micronization processes to turn these particles into nanoparticles so that it's more fluid, it's got an elegant texture. But the thing is, and I, one doctor asked me, what's the size of your nanoparticles in the titanium dioxide? And I'm like, why is he asking that? His wife was trying to copy our sunscreen and my boss told me that. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking into it and I'm like, why? Like, because there's controversy. And so metals, heavy metals in the body are very toxic to your neurology because metal conducts electricity. But if you have metal that doesn't belong in the body, that's there, you know, like aluminum and mercury, for example, and titanium dioxide and zinc oxide, if there's systemic absorption, it's going to be in your body and then you need to detox and get rid of that, those metals. Otherwise, they start messing with your neurology, right? Right. And so that's why I would just prefer not to use any sunscreen and be responsible with the sun, you know, wear long sleeves uh, or just not expose myself in the dangerous hours of the sun, just like I wouldn't sun gaze at noon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, what else um, your, your events and your classes that you have... Uh so you started yeah, with uh, skin, you were in this company and then... So like I'll explain you know, the biochemistry of the body, what I've learned in my pharmaceutical days. I used to work in uh, natural products, pharmacy. It was really difficult to convince doctors in Canada to use natural products. Really? But the gastroenterologists, they were desperate for solutions because their products had been removed for health issues, health issues, arrhythmia. They were desperate for dyspepsia, bloating, uh, acid reflux. And I was promoting this, these herbal drops from Germany. Mm. Gast, it was called and it had you know huge success so you know i mean that's why i learned where the stress comes from the gut and serotonin receptors 80 percent of them are in the gut and that's where your your serotonin factory mainly is mm-hmm. so the gut is so important right but yeah. type a personalities and stressed out people um have an, an issue with that and so their cortisol serotonin everything i was mentioning earlier melatonin levels is all out of balance and so everything in my career has brought me to where I am now and gave me the understanding that I can share in my workshops. Then people are like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Or yeah, my diet, no wonder my metabolism. So I just like to share things that can change and help people heal. And then I share tools at the end of the workshop that people can kind of memorize and do at home, like a meditation or, or one active and passive meditations. The passive, I put a, a song or music, mellow music, in case the person has a hard time detaching from thought. And then in the active meditation, I don't put any music and it's just you know, like you on your own with the power inside that you have to change your biochemistry right. and to raise levels of energy and to start uh, changing your reality. Nice. I like that you, you facilitate a space where people can look inward and, and start focusing on themselves and healing themselves. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have any other uh, practices or tips for people that, uh, that you recommend or anything like that? So I mentioned a few that I do, like sun gazing is my favorite. Sun gazing. And then this Kriya that I do. Okay. Uh, those nice. are pretty interesting ones. And what, what are your future plans? What are you going to do? Uh, do you have any... Um, I'm thinking about creating a, like a, a hypnobirthing course and putting it online, explaining you know more in detail the science, the epidural, the cortisol, adrenaline. Because I think uh, the reason why I started doing these neurohacking workshops was for the corporate world. I left the corporate world. It was so toxic. Mm-hmm. That's why I did Vipassana, actually. I had a really... Um, toxic boss mm. and um, and then I thought you know we could share these tools to people in the corporate world but the older you get the harder it is to remove the kinks you know the social constructions and it's possible mm-hmm. it's definitely possible to change but it's hard then I thought maybe you could teach kids and the caregivers why it's so important to connect with breath and to cut this vicious loop of emotion and thought you ask me which one comes first but we get into these loops, mm-hmm. right? And you need to cut the loop. So you need tools to cut the loop. And then I, 
I like to go deeper and deeper all the time. You know, that's why I go to like the quantum level, right? But then I'm like, can we go further and remove the trauma or the stress even further than childhood? Mm. Yes, during pregnancy. Because if there's trauma during pregnancy, this is going to affect the neurological development and the personality of the adult, right? There's a study in 1968 in Israel because of the war that showed that schizophrenia was uh, in higher incidences because the mothers had acute stress, right? So that stress caused a developmental issue in the brains of the future adults. So there's trauma that can happen even before birth. Right. And it's, it's a branch of epigenetics called genomic imprinting. That information goes into the egg and the sperm before there's even fertili uh, or fertilization. Wow. Right? That's crazy. And so you want to um, enhance your environment epigenetically even before you start producing your sperm or your eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the, so the idea is like hypnobirthing course, maybe like a, a course on neurology, neurohacking for caregivers of kids mm -hmm. to do little metaphors, just like a little seed of consciousness. And you don't need to know what meditation really is, but just for five minutes, connect with the breath so that when they're teenagers and somebody teaches the meditation, they won't feel so like, oh, what's this? You know, like, oh, yeah, I can go with this. Like, this makes sense as opposed to like, no, I want to play my video games and uh, this is not for me. Yeah, yeah. Because somebody went in their childhood planted the seed of connecting with the breath. Nice. Well, what, I, I wonder why is the breath um, such a big part of, uh, of healing yourself or, or achieving these higher levels of consciousness with like the Wim Hof and, and all these breathing breath work classes? What is it? Is it more oxygen? Like Energy, yeah. The... the the, the field like i was talking to somebody and she said i i just think water is life mm -hmm. which is it is but if you go deeper than water you know you've got h2o but h2o is two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom right it, so go deeper than water there's air you know and you can't live 40 days or more without food supposedly there's these negative beliefs but some people <laughs> are doing breatharian yeah. but you know the most of us that, that the average level of consciousness we can't live more than 40 days without food Okay. You can't live more than four or five, six days without water. I spent six days without food or water. Right. But I'm yeah. talking about the average, right? <laughs> uh, and then you can't spend more than four minutes without air right. You know, for right. the average person. The average so person. the most important of all three is, is really air. Mm -hmm. right? Air, yeah. And so oh, our yeah. mind and, and oxygen and energy is all is mainly based on that. If you can hack your breath and your breath rhythm, um, then you can hack your mind. Wow. Every emotion has a breath pattern. How do you breathe when you're fed up? And I'm like, <sighs> you sigh exactly. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm it, here all the time. It's not voluntary; it's involuntary. It's yeah. the nervous system. It's the subconscious mind. It's like you're breathing heavily because you're nervous. Mm -hmm. Okay, we need to reset. <sighs> You've just changed your breath pattern. Mm -hmm. Your your mind is looking out for you. Oh wow! Right? Subconsciously, yeah. If you're in love, how do you breathe? Long and subtle. Exactly. You, you almost you you almost can't perceive it. If you're right. stressed and you're fearful. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly right these are three examples but every emotion has a breath pattern associated to it mm, i've never seen a chart on any of that just make a chart <laughs> right but we know i mean yeah, i've yeah. just told you like yeah that makes sense that's true i sigh you know like right. i've caught myself sighing before yeah, but I've never seen that. and but so the oxygen is really the energy in it if you could change the rhythm or control the rhythm you can control your subconscious mind and your mm. your autonomic nervous system and actually somebody told me uh in the word respiration is spirit right and there's what in respiration you can find spirit. the root of spirit respire oh, no res spirit respirate ah. you know if you can see hidden <laughs> hidden etymology yeah, yeah you could see that and so your spirit comes from respiration when your spirit leaves there's no more respiration you're dead wow. right? and then when you do these this breath work like the holotropic you're producing different neurochemicals and then you're having altered states of consciousness 
your spirit is kind of getting an upgrade and your evolution is is increasing right? i like that yeah when, when you stop breathing you're that's it it's done in the body in the right? body yeah well, in the spirit maybe you're restarting <laughs> yeah in a different body eventually yeah. i think yeah i also think that for example i mean i don't know about birtharians but uh breathing um has a lot of uh like for example in the atmosphere air um it has already four like our bodies are made up 96 or 97 percent of four elements it's mm. carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen, nitrogen right yeah. which are all abundant in the air yeah. that we breathe so when you take a breath you're breathing in 96 to 97 percent of what you already made of yeah that's crazy and then one percent is phosphorus one percent is calcium but when you're yeah if you think about it if your body can maybe metabolize even the elements in the air you're basically getting 97 percent of what you are there's energy in the atom right right some people don't know this they just think proton electron and the electron rotates around the proton what's mm. between the proton and electron mm, energy electromagnetic um, energy when yeah. you breathe faster you're getting more of that energy from the atoms of oxygen right right and that you're making energy that's outside of you yours it's just this transfer mm. right and so that's how you can raise your levels and then you have more energy i guess that's why also air quality is so important yeah. right um what do you recommend like what do you recommend for people maybe getting air things in their house air um humidifier not humidifiers but purifiers or should you just go out in nature and more nature stuff nature's gotta be the best way right? the, the best uh yeah trees right and like we're getting oxygen from the trees and when you're at the, the trees the beach you know the wind from the ocean it's not yeah. contaminated it's yeah. just pure air well the ocean is uh, becoming really contaminated now i saw sea conspiracy and how we're just destroying the ocean but that's another and i think People have said that the majority of the oxygen that we get comes from the ocean. I think more than even the Amazon, the, the rainforests in the world, that the oxygen that we get come of the earth comes from oceans. And uh, that's it's sad that what we're doing to the oceans. But yeah, I mean, being by the mm. beach also too. I, I would also, I'd say that like when I go to the beach and I get in the water, I feel almost healing property. But also I, I never thought of it uh, like this, but thinking about oxygen and, and air quality, being in the ocean, breathing in that that wind that's coming in from the ocean, maybe that's a part of the there, healing. There's another thing, and I just remember the other documentary on electromagnetic energy, yeah, which is the science of grounding, grounding okay. electrons that are in the earth. So the ionosphere is positively charged, and mm -hmm. the earth is negatively charged. Right. That's the differential that causes lightning, mm -hmm. right? Energy flowing, and so the earth has electrons. And when you connect barefoot with the earth, you're getting electrons that reduce the inflammation because inflammation comes from mutations. Reactive oxygen species, so oxygen gets energy from the sun and cleaves, which means it separates. And the electrons, now you have um, free radicals. So an oxygen atom rather than an oxygen molecule of two atoms, one of them is very reactive and it'll take an electron from your DNA, causing a DNA mutation, and then the oxygen calms down. Now your DNA is mutated right but when you get electrons from the earth and when you sleep well and your melatonin repairs that then you're fine right when you're at the beach or when you're walking barefoot you're getting electrons from the earth which reduces the inflammation in your body and where the water meets the land is where there's the most electrons because water conducts electricity right uh -huh. so all of the electrons in the seabed get conducted to the the border of land and this is why a lot of uh, natural birthing happen uh, at the beach mm. maybe not here but I, i've seen online in many um in spanish is partera like uh, these uh doulas or midwives mm -hmm. that assist pregnancy like a natural birth mm -hmm. in the water right mm -hmm. at 
border, right? So do they? Oh, it's energetically do, enhanced. Do they lay like the woman with pregnant on the sand or no, water? No, they're uh, on their fours. On so, their fours, yeah. so standing up, and they yeah. give birth on their fours. <gasps> yeah. What? That's crazy. All these different negative beliefs that we have yeah, of like I'm how it's supposed to be, and you go to you. You don't go to the hospital because nobody's sick. Why right. should you go to the hospital? To give birth and in, yeah. in a cold space with all, all this. The tech. lights, the LED lights, yeah. and the whole is just stressful, right? Yeah. You don't want to have a stressful environment and to and give birth. You want to have a, a pure environment to give birth. Wow. A natural environment to give birth. I like that. Because then you get the water as well, which kind of uh, eases the transition from the placenta to to this reality, the, the, this so dimension. Wait, so the, the pregnant woman is standing kind of like with water around her? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, and then yeah. the baby can just kind of come out. Yeah, and then I've seen uh, those births where the babies come out and they swim, and they yeah. just start swimming around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's magical. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nature; it's life. Yeah, exactly. that's great. But it's magical because we're not used to it. We're not used to this uh, process, this natural process that we think, "Wow, this is impossible." I've never thought of it like this because we're told that when you're pregnant, you go to the hospital, and then a baby uh, doctor will carry you and spank you in the booty, and then, <gasps> and then you're. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, giving birth in the ocean and with salt water and ocean water and good air and wow that's yeah, so many things to discover and study yeah i've never heard of that before i mean i've heard of uh water like births like in a, in a pool yeah. in a bathtub also maybe. very good yeah. yeah i mean better than being in a hospital being at home in a, in a in an environment with less stress like you're you're more comfortable yeah when you're in the hospital you don't know the environment you don't know who these people are i mean yeah you can even know your doctor obviously but um you're in a different state but when you're at home, your cortisol levels are down, your stress are down. You can, you know, do some hypnotherapy, like you said, and psychic imprints. It's all about organizing the psychic imprints and reducing the difficult and traumatic ones and optimizing yeah. better ones. Yeah. I like that. Wim Hof, in a rare interview, said that he was left in a cold hallway in the hospital when he was born. I don't know how long, but and I googled his uh, birth date, and it's in April. In Holland, in, in April, it's you know in the 60s or whenever he's born, is probably still cold, mm -hmm. right? So the cold that he felt was one of the first sensations that his body experienced. And so that's why now he's in the cold and there's something just so familiar. Because mm. right? psychic imprints are real and they happen, even though you can't remember them from the day you're born. Right. Right. And so these different events will affect your personality. So now his personality is one that loves the cold. Mm -hmm. And he's very charismatic, charismatic about it and he shares it. That comes from a psychic imprint. Wow. Kids that are adopted, that are separated at birth or in a few weeks have a lifelong uh, feeling of rejection because they were rejected by their biological mother. Yeah. Right? So these psychic imprints are important to organize and to be aware of them so that you can enhance the whole process. So that's why the hypnobirthing and the, the, the water birthing are so important because these things take place in your mind and they, they remain there. That's why some people, they take ayahuasca and they see their birth. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, but uh, some <laughs> people have, I've heard say that when they take ayahuasca, they can see their birth. It's like they're there. Yeah. see their birth yeah That's it's insane. still in the brain it's still in the mind it's somewhere really deep in the subconscious mind so with neurohacking can we be able to access all of these memories is that i mean i, I think a lot of people when they hear neurohacking they think of like limitless have you seen limitless yeah yeah with an nct and you're able to access all parts of your brain i mean do we only use 10 percent of our brain or what, what's this i think that's a fallacy it's a fallacy right? yeah 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 and, and even just the default mode network you're using different parts of the brain which is more than 10 percent it's just mm -hmm. wiring in different ways and then it you know if you have to make the line <clears throat> and you're in the stress response and it's a different part but yeah no i don't think it's uh okay. you, we can research that but right it's a yeah misconception <laughs> and uh so so the neurohacking is also not just the brain right it's also your nervous system throughout your body it's the heart it's the respiration the, the respiratory system Someone the had, cardiac system had told me that 
the heart has its own nervous system or neurons. Uh, I think the first guy that I interviewed, uh, the heart guy, Kevin, he, he's really big on the heart. And he was saying how the heart, even when you take it away from the body, it beats, can beat on its own. Um, I don't know if you know. It has its own consciousness. Its own consciousness. Heart transplants. I don't right. know if you've heard of the heart transplants, yeah, yeah. where the person receiving the heart starts to exhibit uh, cravings and desires and memories from the previous donor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's because in the, f- the I was talking about quantum physics in the field, that energy between the proton and the electron has information. That's what tells the electron how far or how close to rotate around the. This is attraction repulsion, mm-hmm. but it's also this information that the identity of the atom, which gives order to reality. Right. That's why we have order because every atom has its function. This, the atoms of this table. Why is it so hard? Because the atoms have the information that it's hard. Why does the heart beat? Mm. You know, and the lung doesn't beat. The heart beats because in the atoms of each um, <clears throat> molecule of the heart, its function is to beat. So mm. it beats together in tandem. Okay. So when you shift that information from one body to another, uh, you start having the, the characteristics sum in documented cases where it comes from the previous donor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh I think, uh, yeah, when you when we see people getting transplanted with other people's uh, body parts, it's kind of interesting to see the reaction and the heart. And if you believe in reincarnation, I, uh, I think it's possible. Uh, I, I believe it. You know, okay. uh, if you believe in reincarnation, having a, a an organ transplanted to another body is is said to kind of prevent or you know kind of put you in a limbo where you can't really reincarnate because but this is just yeah yeah, theoretical obviously who can ever (laughs) prove that yeah who can even you know reincarnation but if you think about like i've done hypno past life regression therapy where i could viscerally see my past lives under the hypnosis okay and so i believe in reincarnation i I believe in the organ transplant keeping in a limbo but it's an interesting theory (laughs) yeah yeah. everything is a theory time is a theory gravity is a theory yeah gravity time yeah, time, even time yeah. space the warp the warp of, of reality of matter you know? yeah yeah it's all so many things to investigate <laughs> we'll investigate we'll do another podcast i like yeah. that yeah yeah um yeah but with the nervous system uh so what about the nervous system in the gut does the is that i heard that there's a the size of a cat brain of nerves within your gut so um yeah like the microbiome is there too but the the amount of nerves that are within that and yeah, it's interesting because I was talk- I was listening to this one guy. He was talking about the chakra levels, and uh, he was saying how you know you have your your root chakra, which is survival, then your sacral chakra, and then you have uh, uh, one other chakra in your belly button, and that kind of controls wisdom and intuition, and then with the whole gut, and that's where we get our gut feeling and uh, our a lot of our um, also our our serotonin is produced in our mostly in our guts. Mainly in the gut. We yeah. thought it was in our brain, but it's in our gut, right? It's, in the gut. it's crazy. That's why type A personalities have a hard time digesting meals, and their metabolism isn't optimized because they're so stressed because all the serotonin and melatonin and cortisol are it's all happening there. Right? It's all happening in the gut. <clears throat> yeah. Different brains, different uh, different parts. But then that then this one guy was also saying that consciousness is in every cell of your body. So we're not just our brain, you know, we're not just our hearts or our guts, uh, but we're a collection of uh, this, these different organs and systems functioning to pre- create this whole, but then not even that, like you said, like even us being here right now, we're vibrating on a certain frequency, so we're affecting each other, Yeah. right? And then just us, also to the collective uh, of a town or a city or of a country or of the world, it's vibrating and it's, it's, 
it's affecting each other so from the heart the heart has a magnetic field from this that's the center is that what you're saying yeah the heart is the center the maharishi effect you know that one no the maharishi effect is um where they took a group of meditators this happens in thailand actually they kids meditate world peace mm -hmm. and so you statistically see an effect on wars and crime going down and they want to reproduce this because this is what science and studies are is just being able to reproduce something mm -hmm. a hypothesis they had four thousand transcendental meditation meditators that went to washington tm is the meditation the beatles did with maharishi that's what's called the maharishi effect okay and they had four thousand they wanted to collectively impact the crime rates of washington and the mayor said the crime rate has been so consistent <laughs> In the past, I don't know how many decades, that you would need the winter storm of the century to, right. to stop the crime in the city. And they meditated for several days and they were able to statistically by 25% reduce the, not only crime, but also accidents because there was more order and energy. But that comes from each person's heart. That's and so crazy. the field increases. And then when you magnify it with many people, only 4,000 out of, I don't know, 2 million people in Washington, a million and a half. Yeah. Um, that affects the collective of that area and that's why i was saying before the collective fear that was felt in 2020 was so pervasive that it really affects the whole world right wow but you can align yourself and it's through the heart when you slow down the brain which i'm very much in my brain i did biochemistry you know? right but if you slow down that and you get into the you, you connect with the heart you're expanding the field around your body and you can connect with other people and you have higher emotions higher levels of emotions and things start to flow that's amazing that's so crazy i mean imagine instead of uh you know this time last year instead of everyone locking down and being in fear everyone just started meditating vibrating and saying okay like let's just let's just raise our consciousness and well, a lot of people started really this was like the kind of uh balancing no i was gonna say the uh dark night of the soul the collective dark night of the soul where people have their trauma and this is what kick-started them to find a solution they're at home bored or anxious or stressed or fearful and so i gotta find a solution to this right and then these apps and popularity in your friend and your acquaintance and somebody's meditating like maybe i'll try that so a lot of people got on the meditation bandwagon in the last year so that was that's, a good part about good 2020. Part. Yeah, yeah i think that there's a lot of uh, with everything with every negative thing or bad thing we may consider to be there's always uh, this adverse reaction we respond to it. And that's part of the human human experience that our brains are designed to adapt, right? You know, we're not like other animals where other, a horse is born and a horse is, is able to walk and function on its own. A dog is born and they're able for the most part to go around and, and to operate. A, even like monkeys or gorillas, they're born and they're able to just ride around sometimes. But um, humans were born not being able to do anything. I mean, we, we need our support of our mother and to be nurtured for the first few years of our lives so our brains can develop and, and get an understanding for the environment so we've evolved to adapt to different situations and for the, for this is where we're at now i mean we're able to just be able to change our environment and be able to adapt to it uh, and it's uh, key adaptability adaptability yeah i think it was charles darwin who said that it's not survival of the fittest or strongest but it's survival of those that are able to adapt to best to to thrive to thrive in whatever situation they're they're at because that's the most important it doesn't matter if you're strong or you're fit but what if the situation now changes you know what if you're you're able to maybe climb a tree really well right but what if now you're thrown in the water and you can't swim you, you were strong in that one situation but can you adapt and learn how to swim so i think that's the biggest part and 
and uh, when we talk about neurohacking is that no matter where you're at right now in life, whether you're you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm depressed or, or I'm struggling or I'm going through this situation, that it's just a matter of just flicking a switch and changing, changing your mindset or even changing your environment because, you know, the mind affects the physical, um, but the physical affects the mind. It's yeah. both ways, right? Yeah. It's not just one or the other. Um, so if, if you're deciding which way to, which route to go, if you, maybe you can't get into that mindset, then change your environment, change how, change what's, what's going on to your body, maybe change your clothes or, or change, um, become in a more peaceful situation. I mean, that's why people go to Vipassana or go somewhere else because you change your physical environment and then you, your mind will follow. And then now, now your mind is more at peace and more at ease. And then now you can use that and hold on to it. Cause I know a lot of people, they go to ayahuasca ceremonies, they go to Vipassana ceremonies. And then what happens is, um, they come back and they're all like peaceful and enlightened. And then a week later, two weeks later, they're out and yeah, like or back in the same zone and working on the press and in their cars, like yelling at people, flicking people off because they don't hold on to it. They, you know, they go back into their, their environment now is also reaffecting their, their minds. Right. So, so yeah, I think that keep uh, up with the practice. That's what's important to keep up with. Yeah. It's not just, uh, it's not, you know, whatever goal is not reaching the goal. It's what you, you may get to that goal, but, it's it's still work. It's still a process. It's 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 keep keeping on going. You know? yeah. It's a journey. It's all the journeys. There there are different points in the destinations, but eventually, once you reach that point, there's going to be another goal post, and there's going to be this other thing that you want to do. And you know, you may not have thought that you know you, once you reach this goal, that you may even not like where you're where you thought you were going to be at, or you may enjoy it. But how long can you hold on to that? And it's about you know sharing that with other people also. Connection, so, connection with other people, yeah. and. Uh, being in connection with yourself first, right? That's what we all say. And then uh, vibrating that energy and being that, uh, you know, the, the the vibration thing of other people reminds me of, you ever watch Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z no. with Goku. But anyways, in the part they have this spirit bond when he needs to collect, he doesn't have any energy and he calls on the people, everyone in like the world to like, come on, like, and everyone just starts vibrating and giving their energy and then he just collects his energy into the spirit bomb and is able to defeat the, the person. But I mean, it sounds so like, TV hippie stuff but i don't know the statistics with the beatles right that's i mean i've never heard of that but that's such a such an important thing that i feel like we should all know yeah but yeah so it's growing in consciousness yeah do you think it is growing or do you think that it's only yeah. a select few people yeah, more and more people are getting becoming conscious of what we're talking about that's why podcasts work that's why meditation apps work that's why tulum is vibing you know and you've got all these different resources and plant medicine and healing and once you can heal you can transcend you can move forward right? you can break patterns uh, and what does transcending look like what is the future for the if we're moving in the right direction what do you uh, what do you see for humanity and uh, the earth and life and all beings like what is a what does that future transcendence look like or can you visualize that does it have a, an appearance <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I don't. You know, if you look at humanity, a hundred, two hundred, three year, three hundred years ago, mm -hmm. things evolve. Our level of uh, comfort and our perception on things evolve. This is evolution. Okay. Yeah. So consciousness also evolves. Um, but at the same time, you know, we seem to be living patterns of cyclicality. Right? There's a oh, sunrise yeah. every day. There's equinoxes and solstices every year. Mm -hmm. There's the hurricane season in the Caribbean every September, mm -hmm. October, November. Um, life is about patterns. But, you know, if you look within yourself and if you're evolving and you feel you are, then collectively we can evolve as a, as a 
humanity and consciousness. I like that. I think I've heard this one guy say that when you look at people who kind of can predict the future, they kind of look at patterns and they, they look at um, the past, like the Mayans, for example, when they built their calendar or their prediction, predictions for the future, it wasn't that they were predicting the future in the sense that they were looking at patterns and that eventually, you know, at 2020 or whatever, or 2010 or whatever, 2012, 2012. they would, this pattern would reemerge. So they weren't really predicting it. They were just saying that eventually we're going to fall into the same pattern again and again and again. So it's kind of, um, yeah, predicting pattern. Well, for me, the future, an ideal future would look like, have you ever seen Star Trek? Star Trek, uh, like the TV shows and stuff like that. It talks about in the future how humanity is all working towards a collective good of traveling space and exploring space where there's no more money, there's no more war, there's no more need for like bigotry and hatred and racism mm -hmm. and all these things because we've tackled, we've, we've through technology or through human evolution, we've gotten rid of all these issues, these petty issues, and now we're looking more towards evolving and, and being one with yeah the 5d world the immaterial world yeah yeah. Right? Like yeah if you told somebody 50 years ago that their heart emits a magnetic field outside of their body they'd think you're crazy mm -hmm. right now more and more people are open to this because there's instruments because we can measure this because consciousness is evolving and so mm -hmm. the whole 3d to 5d is understanding the energetic component of life uh the, the ability to heal the body which is physical but using the mind which is not physical which is immaterial but the, the, the power and the energy of, of, of our mind. Right. And so when once you understand frequency and binaurals and different techniques that you can take to change your mind, that's when you evolve. Like I was talking about biology before. I mean, once you have higher levels of energy, you can start thinking differently and accept premises that might have gone against your beliefs before you had that level of energy. Okay. I like so. that. I like that. It's a, it's a change. It's going in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. So... Uh, can you tell people where they can find you? And uh... Yeah, I have uh, an Instagram, NeuroHackIan from Neurology. Mm. And my name is Ian, so NeuroHackIan. I have a website as well, but it's, it was more for the corporate world in, in Canada, okay. in French. So I might have to revamp that. Maybe when I have my uh, hypnobirthing courses ready to go. <laughs> nice. But uh, so far, yeah, the, the Instagram works. Okay, cool. And uh, so how long have you been here in Tulum? Five months. Five months, okay. Yeah. And are you gonna stay here for a while? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, I feel very much at home here. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm nesting. Um, I love my place. I got into like interior design stuff for my place, which I never had before. It was just a place to sleep. And now it's like, this would be great here. And mm. that's gonna go great in my living room. And so I feel like, you know, I'm very much at home here. Nice. And what do you think uh, it is about Tulum that so many people come here and they, they just love it? The energy. Um, mm. this, woman who teaches mysticism said that it lies on a ley line so these ley lines is where there's these crossroads of energy on earth like where the pyramids of giza are built mm -hmm. mount shasta in mm -hmm. california uh, sedona there's a place in ibiza like this mount kailash uh, glastonbury and this is one of them where there's this energy vortex and you can see it it's very it's also quite polarized and you have a lot of positivity and a lot of negativity there's this saying either uh, Tulum adopts you or it spits you out, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> because if you're not aligned, you might get spit out. And if you are aligned, then you get propelled to another level from the energy in the land that's here. So I think a lot of people uh, feel that and they see the opportunities and they they feel not only see, but they feel that their levels of consciousness and energy are enhanced. So I like that. Yeah. One of my theories. Lines. Yeah, that, that's cool. The, I wonder how 
the uh, people who built the pyramids were able to, or the, the technology that they had was so advanced, and how were they able to get to that level in humanity? And then what happened to them once they reached that level? You know, it's 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 crazy that I mean they can have this create this insane society, but then now it's what where, where are they? Where is it? Where is this? And and I feel that's the cycle, right? With all civilizations, that you have this like, period of growth. And then you reach this level and then you fall back down and then you come back up and it's like cyclical, right? It's patterns. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening and uh, being uh, a part of this also. Uh, yeah, we are here in, uh, in Tulum. And uh, yeah, is there anything more you want to say you want to talk about? I shared a lot of stuff I'm already passionate about, so I'm glad I was able to have a platform to share, and hopefully it connected with people. Yeah. Maybe not everything will connect, but at some points I'm hoping people will take and uh, create change Yeah. And, and evolve. Change. And you've done other podcasts, right, but all in French? Yeah, in yeah. Montreal. Nice. And one of them here, a couple of friends of mine from Montreal also spent a few months here, so we recorded here in Tulum, but in French. I met them, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it, Mind Bloom or something? Mind, Mind Bloom. Mind Bloom. Yeah, yeah. Mind Bloom. Nice, nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, change, change is a good thing. Change is always. I mean, it's it's something that's inevitable, right? That's that's the, con yeah. the one constant in life is change. Um, and I think as we are striving for change, but realizing that change is going to happen, and and we just got to guide it in the right direction, kind of almost. You know, we kind of try to force it. Where hey, I want things to change. I want things to happen this way. But it's like no, change is going to happen regardless. Just like try to move it in the direction that you feel you know, vib vibrates and lines with your ideals of humanity. Yeah. So. I, one thing is passive meditation and, med and active meditation. I feel like passive is just accepting change and not reacting, learning to just be okay with it. And active meditations is generating change and creating, you know, and having really what you, what you most desire and, and being aligned. Right. So there's two ways and they're both great. I do both. Mm -hmm. I do passive sometimes and then I do active other times. Nice. But um, yeah, it's it changes inevitable, like yeah. you said. So I like uh, yeah, I like running. Running is my form of meditation. A lot of people think that meditating is just sitting down and just like, mm, and that's obviously a great form of meditation. But for me, it's it's uh, being running or maybe even doing the dishes. I feel really meditative and when I'm when I'm doing dishes, I'm just in the zone where I'm just cleaning. I'm just like You're cleansing your energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cleansing my dishes and my energy. The sim symbolism of it is. Cleansing yeah. your energy by cleansing your plate. Right, yeah. Symbolism. I think that um, in our lives we forget how big symbolism is and how, how things affect us a lot. Even like language or um, artifacts in our house, in our place. Like you said, you're getting into interior design. Um, but having certain symbols and things in, around your space, you know, subconsciously, energetically wise, will influence you. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, feng Shui? Having a good Feng Shui. Feng Shui. Feng shui. Having an altar. A lot of people have altars in their homes altars. in Tulum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have one too. Oh, you have an altar. Yeah. What's your altar look like? Uh, it's got a stone, like a beautiful blue aquamarine stone. Okay. Um, it has a candle, incense, a few other things, offerings that we charge when we do these mm. events at the beach on the 21st of every month. Offerings? What kind of, like, what, uh, what do you offer? Uh, people will do a ceremony where we'll meditate together. Uh, the north, south, east, west, and people will bring fruits and grains and seeds. And then you could take some of them home because they've been charged in this circle, mm -hmm. this energetic circle. And so, cool. Yeah, manifesting abundance and being in equilibrium aligned. Nice. I yeah. like that. I met this guy the other day that uh, had this chain 
and in in this chain he had in the center he had a diamond in it and uh it was like these metal four metal kind of almost like a pyramid and on the top of the pyramid was the diamond and he used that to channel and get energy and it's interesting i mean yeah and uh, in bali they do a lot of these uh ceremonies and and offerings to the, their, their gods and every morning they have they, they put fruit or they burn these like candle things and they put them outside their house and yeah i think uh, a lot of it is also to the intent of of uh, not necessarily the type of um, offering or, or meditation or whatever physical substance there is but the intent and the vision behind it um if it aligns with you and what you're believing your belief system yeah yeah so cool all right yep and i think we're good we're good no yeah yeah all right right. thank you so much and peace out adios all right oh do you want to do like a little mm, humming i did it before oh you did it before you don't you don't do like a closing one no that's a good idea oh maybe just keep going with the frequency right yeah maintain it maintain the so you keep going all right cool